Are you ready to go? Let's get in the word of God. Last week we ended here. He considered, that is Moses considered, the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, being, uh, not being afraid of the anger of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. All right, that's where we ended. And uh, I, read, I told you that when you read your Bible, because listen, here's what, you, are, you are Jesus' people and you're standing on this side of the cross and everything you read in the Old Testament, you read through the New Testament and it's the right way to read it. So you, so you read this thing, you read it this way and, and you see, you see all you, everything you see in the Old Testament, you go, that's just like Jesus. That's just like Jesus. That's just like Jesus. And so whether or not Moses had any kind of full revelation, he had some revelation, a lot, more than any man up to his time had had. But whether he understood Jesus the way we do, we cannot tell but we can tell that the writer of Hebrews who is exhorting the people to follow Jesus is reading their history through Jesus. And he's saying to them, you must follow Jesus because your fathers did. Bearing the reproach of Christ, seeing him, keeping the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood. And that is where I introduce that we're gonna talk about the scarlet thread through the Bible just a little bit this morning. There is, uh, if so you understand, if you, read the, if you read the Bible, you wanna read it through the blood of Christ. 1961 it was, December 31st, W.A. Criswell stood up his church and preached a message that would be later turned into a book. As it happened, it was a message that lasted several hours his church knew what to expect. They knew what he was going to do. And he preached a message called the scarlet thread through the Bible. You've experienced much of that message in my iteration of it through the Emmaus Road Walk and the teachings that we've given there. But for him, he focused on the blood of Jesus Christ. And his beginning was, was as my beginning has always been, that when God pronounced a sentence of death on them for their sin, instead of killing them, he demonstrated to them what death would be through the death of an animal. And he replaced their self-covering for their nakedness with a covering of the skins of an animal that had been sacrificed and lost its life. And so death became very real to them and very personal to them as they were covered in the blood that spoke of sacrifice and of one dying for another. But it was the, came to be known as, in the sacrifice as the blood of bulls and goats. That blood was manifested again in Israel's history when they sacrificed the Passover lambs and they painted their doorposts and then they did what I've talked to you about as the bloody walk, passing when you walk through the bloods of a sacrifice 
and make an oath of allegiance. And they walked through the bloody doors, but there's another thing they did. They walked under the blood. And all through my Christian life, people have made these references to being under the blood. It's a Passover reference. It's a reference that goes that 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 goes all the way back. It's a part of the scarlet thread through the Bible. The scarlet thread of the blood of sacrifice. Chris will, and uh, he was one of my heroes when I was a brand new Christian. I remember when I bought that little book. I think I still have it somewhere. Uh, Chris came to preach that um, over and over. And frankly, if you Google the scarlet thread through the Bible, you will find um, a Bible ministry dedicated to the memory of Criswell and that sermon and magnifying Jesus as an, as an ongoing witness. Now, that's only our introduction because here's where we're going. By faith, the people... Cross the Red Sea as on dry ground, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. And then all of a sudden it shifts us. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they'd been encircled for seven days. Well, now we're with Joshua. We went from being with Moses to being with Joshua. Though his name isn't mentioned, we understand that it's old Joshua leading the people. And then we get, by faith, Rahab. Now, reminder, I'll say it a thousand times to you till you get it. Without a revelation, there can be no faith. Your eyes have to be open to see something before you can trust in it. And that's why the book of Hebrews, this chapter 11, is always what they saw, what they saw, what they saw, what they saw. Then there's also the element of what they hear. And Rahab, you know what she heard? (laughs) Well, every morning for a week, she and all of the inhabitants of Jericho would be awakened to the sound of the trumpet as the shofar blew and the people encircled the city. I want you to know that there's no question that they knew what was going on, that they were under some sort of a strange siege. They knew uh, because they had, A, heard what had happened, as I'll show you in a minute, and B, because they'd even had visitors from the Hebrews come into their city. Old Rahab, there it is right there. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And you'll have to forgive me that I chuckled when I read that in the Bible this week and saw that a prostitute gave a friendly welcome. (laughs) Can't get this stuff just anywhere And there it is right there. But listen, literally, she practiced hospitality. You need to know something. In your Bibles, if you want to study, one of the most important things in the Bible is hospitality. You want to make a difference in the kingdom and you want to make a difference 
in, um, in the increase of God's family, I want you to know something. It's not going to be done in these gatherings. These gatherings are primarily for worship and discipleship. It's going to be done around your table. Hospitality is the key to evangelism. I'll just leave that one to you. Paul's going to do a much better work in that area. He has a greater anointing. And you're going to see it manifested in the work that comes in the city. And you need to be excited about those yet unreborn who will come and, and be transformed. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient. The word about those who were disobedient means clearly that the people of Jericho had warning. God is not unfair. Even as Pharaoh had warning after warning, the people of Jericho had warning and they had seven days of warning. It goes on. I want to give you this. I'll give you the background story on this. We read in Joshua 2. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your houses. They have come to search out the land. See, they knew. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I don't know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. And your pastor captions this slide with, Rahab lies by faith. <laughs> I, I, listen, you know, when I was a young Christian, a, an idea like this was like horrible to me. It was just horrible. I was like, really? Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, no, you have to tell the truth. Always tell the truth. You have to tell the truth. And, and I, you know, because I'm sorry. When <laughs> I'm sorry. Here's what you do. When you come to Jesus, you get religious, whether you try, whether you want to or not. You just do. And so I come to a passage like this, and I just have to say to you, just so you know, God didn't check with you before he made it all right. And now you're still squirming in your seat. And, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll help you. I'll make you squirm more. Um, commentators through the years have had a lot of trouble with this. Uh, when I was in school, there was, a, there was a book by, I think his name was Joseph Fletcher, called Situational Ethics. And I was just, I was one of those guys, I was like, no, 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 no. Absolute truth of the word of God, right? Come on, you've made that argument. And then uh, along comes somebody says, well, let's just take a look at this. And so they say, well, in the, you know, what about in this situation? And boy, I'm, listen, I still hate to be leveraged by people over such stuff like this. However, I mean, there it is. By faith, Rahab... Well, here's how John Calvin solved the problem for himself. As to falsehood, he wrote, he wrote 500 years ago, 
We must admit that though it was done for a good purpose, it was not free from fault. For those who hold that this is a, quote, dutiful lie, must be altogether, uh, to, to altogether be excusable, do not sufficiently consider how precious the truth is in the sight of God. And I reckon on that. Therefore, although the purpose be to assist our brethren, to consult for their safety and to relieve them, it never can be lawful to lie. John, I think your knickers are a little tight. (laughs) Because that cannot be right, which is contrary to the nature of God and God is truth. On the whole, it was the will of God that the spies should be delivered, but he did not approve of their their saving their lives by falsehood. Pray tell, John, how would you have done it? (laughs) I mean, I mean, give me an alternative. Um, And so I remember the time when people, does this make you squirm a little? It should. Because listen, I I hate for people to twist their way into their own personal sin as much as anybody. But this is not that. This is not excusing sin. This is a woman who is already maybe in sin. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe who has seen and heard some stuff that's changing her mind and she risks her life to save some others. Whenever you want to deal with something like this, we usually have to dig up the Nazis. <laughs> whenever, we're out of, whenever we're out of comparisons, we always go for, we always go for Hitler. And so, and so it's true that I remember hearing the story of Corey Ten Boom and her family who hid Jews and gave them safe passage. And then the very idea that religious people had to reckon on whether that was okay or not. Please. (laughs) Listen, I'm gonna go far. Not not only was was this okay, it was good that she would save their lives. And there it is in the Bible. It's just there for us to cause us to Squirm. Hallelujah. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of the flax that she had laid in uh, in order on the roof. Fantastic stuff. It goes on. Verse 9. Here's her confession of faith. This is Rahab. For I know the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard. And, and listen, I'm, I'm saying it's her confession of faith and you're gonna say, it's her confession of fear. And I'm gonna say, I don't know about you, but I was afraid when I got saved. Some of y'all weren't, but me, I can remember how many times I rehearsed. You know, if I died tonight, I'd go straight to hell. That was used to be the thing I would say. And it was fearful for me. And I feared God and I feared judgment and I feared what I deserved. And I gladly ran to him for refuge. For we have heard, faith comes by what? Well, what they heard scared them to death. How the Lord dried up the water. And listen again, if you weren't afraid of hell, you were afraid of the rapture. Come on, people. I heard all those preachers 
For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and that there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord, your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. In other words, She had seen the power of God. The people had seen the power of God and this caused her to fear God more than the king. Hallelujah. This is really a good story. This is an awesome story. Now, if you use this to justify your bad behavior, I'm gonna baptize you right here. That's not what you do with this. It goes on. She gives an oath of promise. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord. She says, I see how great he is. And now I want you to make me a promise in his name. That as I have dealt kindly with you, you will also deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father, my mother, my brothers, my sister, and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, our life or yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Now listen, whether you know it or not, this is, a, this is a small covenant. See, she's, they're swearing an oath and, and their lives are the price of the oath. And they're calling on one greater than them to see to it. Human beings have the power to swear oaths to one another. That's what government is. We don't have the power actually to bind God to our oaths as I have talked about, but he has the power to bind us to them. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window. Hallelujah. And this is where the scarlet thread through the Bible came from. Have some fun with this for just a minute. So tie the scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down and you shall gather into your house, your father and your mother, your brothers and all your father's house. Hallelujah. You see what the walls are gonna fall down. And the people are gonna perish. But the sign of the scarlet cord is their protection. If anyone goes out of the door of your home into the street, his blood shall be on his own head and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in this house, his blood shall be on our head. And if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. And she sent them away and they departed And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. 
Now, you remember these old, these old spies, they escaped by that means. And I can't tell for sure in the text whether the rope through which they escaped was the same one uh, that caused the protection on the house. But it's possible. Now, an interesting thing. The word, I understand, the word for the scarlet cord is almost a synonymous word to the word hope. And some have wondered <laughs> if there was an intentional pun, but even more so, the symbolism. And this is where I said, you know, read through your Bibles. The ancient church fathers, and especially the fathers of the second and third century, first century was Jesus, second century was the post-apostolic fathers, third century again, those earliest fathers of the church, when they read their Bible, they symbolized everything. Charlie and I used to have vigorous conversation about this because it was something that he did all the time and it was something I was less sure about. And so we would have a little debate. I was telling this last night, little did I know that he was under a mask over there in the back corner <laughs> listening to me. I looked up and said, whoops, I'm glad I was nice. Because <laughs> what I was saying was, well, he, win this, he wins this argument. Clement of Rome was one of the first ones who reading the story of Rahab said the scarlet rope was the same kind of a sign as the blood on the doorpost of the Passover. Now, Why? Because he's reading his Bible through the cross of Jesus Christ. Our faith is cruciform. Our faith is in the shape of the cross of Jesus Christ. Our faith is shaped by and through Jesus, the one who loved us and gave himself up for us. And through his death, conquered death. Putting death to death so that you and I can live. And so that I can stand here in the wake of the death of the one I love so much and not be in torment but I can remember with my friend Reed as Reed said in the midst of his racking pain of his own cancer he's dancing around his house and praying and worshiping and saying we were so in the presence it was as if we were there with Jack ourselves and that I would have you to remember that when Joshua was encircling the city, and when the trumpets were blowing, they were escorting the Ark of the Covenant of God, which was the sign, the public sign. More than that, it was actually something that God had manifested his very life in. The Ark of the Covenant was the Ark of his presence. Mentioned no less than 11 times in that Joshua passage about the fall of Jericho. And it was saying to them, our God is with us. 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 And now the spies are saying to her, put the scarlet thread and we will know our God is with them too. And so the Lord God, the Almighty, put the sign of his covenant on the doorpost of a prostitute. Hallelujah, a brothel got saved. Don't you kid yourself. I'm telling you, I wonder if they didn't whisper that thing around. And the house was filled 
And don't you molly coddle about this business. Rahab's called a harlot twice in the New Testament. Don't run from it at all. Run to it. It's for sinners. He doesn't call the righteous, but sinners to be his children. And what more shall I say? And that's where I am now because I'm running out of time. Hebrews 11. I'm going back to the story. The writer of Hebrews, he's exhorting them to stay faithful to Christ, to keep their faith in Christ. He says, what more shall I say? For the time would fail me. He's writing for crying out loud. He can write as much as he wants to. But <laughs> I'm preaching. And time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms and forth justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and were made strong out of weakness. They became mighty in war and put foreign armies to flight. All this is glorious, right? Watch what happens. And women received back their dead. And yes, I put in there by faith because that's what's being said here. So I don't want you to miss this, by faith. And women received back their dead by resurrection. And then suddenly it shifts. And some by faith were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. And others by faith suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. You understand I'm not damaging the text. I'm, in, I'm, I'm proclaiming it. Some by faith were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. And this passage, don't ever forget this passage, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. You keep this in mind as the spirit of Antichrist was rising in our country and in our world. And as more and more the name of Jesus is villainized by its opponents. And sometimes it's by the foolish and thoughtless things we do and oftentimes it's because of the claims about him that we make. And sometimes it's the pure inspiration of demonic hell hatred. Of those who are under the blood. Because the midday may come when you might be called to be numbered among those of whom the world is not worthy. Welcome it. I say with too much bravado. All these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. <laughs> and then he says, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. The writer of Hebrews is telling the people that he's writing to that all those who had gone before them are made perfect. By them. Now this word perfect means complete. You see, the Lord is tarrying because it's still not complete. The full number of the Gentiles has still not come in. 
And you and I today in our place are completing those who have gone before. And now we're being called on to live in such a way that those who are beyond us will complete us. Yeah, you need to know something. I'm leaving my present charge, but I'm not leaving my post. And neither are you. Can I keep you just a minute longer? In Matthew, we read these words. Jesus says, what do you think? A man had two sons. And he went to the first and said, son, go work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But after he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said to him, and the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not. Which of the two did the will of his father? And they said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, the tax collectors and prostitutes, as he's talking to religious leaders, go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And when you saw it, you did not go afterward and change your minds and believe him. (laughs) So, The prostitute Rahab asked for a sign and Jesus said, I'm going to make you into a sign. She's a sign of the ingathering of the Gentiles, of those who said they would not go but went anyway. She's a sign of them. And so we read about Rahab's faith in the book of James. You see, faith was active along with his works. Talking about Abraham. And faith was completed by his works. Don't ever get into an argument about faith and works. They go together. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by her works. What did she do? Oh, she lied. When she, was, when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. In other words, when she practiced deceit. I'm not trying to get you to be deceptive, but I am reminded as I talked about the, the, the Nazis, I am reminded of that wonderful prophecy in the sound of music. Sound of Music was a, was, was a movie in the 60s and my whole family went to it and I was a boy and I was like not going to a musical. But I've watched it a lot of times since then because repenting is, there's time. And I love that scene at the end of the movie when they're in the theater and they're performing and then they escape and the nuns help them escape. And then the Nazis run and jump in their cars. And they flash back to a picture of the nuns and once goes to Mother Superior and says, Mother, I have sinned. And the other comes and says, I have sinned also. What is this sin? And out of their habit, they pull parts to the car that they, that they jerked out. Are you kidding me? Isn't that great stuff? Rahab, the prostitute, was justified by her works when she received the messenger 
and sent them out another way. Maybe John and I'll have a visit about that when we see each other in the glory. And then I close with this, and this is really the close. Matthew 1.1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham. And we read in Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. The father of Obed by Ruth, the Moabite. And Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. It cannot be lost on us how this woman's faith is rewarded. And listen, how you and I perfect her. She's the mother of us all by faith. This is the gospel and it's to remind us of how good he is. And this is how good he is. He's so good that you can't be bad enough to ruin his goodness. I'm not urging you to be bad. You can be as bad as you can be following him. And so, let's put ourselves under the blood again, if we might. Prepare yourselves for communion. I'm going to miss our playtimes. Everyone doing all right? If you're new to our church, I, I always explain it, but it's really pretty simple. Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. And the Bible says, whoever receives him, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him should not perish, but have eternal life. And he gave us a meal it's a covenant meal, and it means when we sit down at the table of the Lord, we are in his family. And so this cup is our scarlet thread. This cup is the sign of our covenant. Jesus said, oh, it's more than that. I'm going to imbue it with my presence, so I'm going to meet you. I'm going to meet you through my body and through my blood. And you and I, what we do is we receive because we are receiving Jesus Christ. And so that which I have preached to you, I now invite you to imbibe. This is the body of Christ in Jesus' name. By his stripes we are healed. Even as Rahab asked them to swear an oath of covenant. 
when we drink the cup, we are swearing the oath of covenant. We are swearing the oath of allegiance to Jesus. And we are declaring by receiving the cup that we have given our lives to him and that we have believed he's a great God. And we know that we are not able to conquer sin and death, but we believe that through his death, he has conquered death. And so, church, this is the blood of Christ. When you're able to, if you'll stand. We're in the faith chapter. It's fitting that I should close by letting you know that we, we stand on the anniversary of a great moment in the history of Christendom. 500 years ago, this week, Martin Luther stood on trial before the Diet in Worms, where he was called on to renounce his writings. His writings had centered primarily on justification by faith. That's what we're preaching this morning. He was asked to renounce his writings. And he said those famous words, which I shall abridge. It is not safe nor sane that I should renounce them. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. And with those words, he unleashed on the world heralds of the greatness of Jesus. It's our hour, guys. And you're commissioned as heralds of Jesus. I got good news for you. You don't have to go talk to anyone about their sin. Talk to them about him. Talk to them about his work in your life. Talk to them about his greatness. Or just break bread with them. And when you break bread with them, tell them about the bread of the covenant. 